Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. This is the Body of Christ Church. And welcome to Repentance is the Key. Is the key. Even that the blood in the church hall Don't forget about my friends in the dance hall Joy and love me have a great peace of mind And not this me want me dance I'll bring them to find Now go fast and pray Go fast and pray Till Christ God and me bring them fine See she I go fast and pray Go fast and pray And to see devil get thee behind Me fast and pray Go fast and pray Till Christ God and me bring them fine See she I go fast and pray Go fast and pray again to another episode of Repentance is the Key. Uh, after a little hiatus, uh, I'm the host, your brother Abaja, and the topic that we will be discussing this evening is called playing house and shacking up. And what we're going to be looking at is, you know, the, the traditional so-called institution of marriage and what it has become known as today, or as it's defined by, you know, as far as society is called. And we're also going to take a look at what it is defined as according to the scriptures, and specifically, more specifically, through the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So before I go any further, I have on the show with me a dynamic guest here. It's the brother Kadar. Kadar, say a few words for uh, our guest here. Hey, Shalom, and all praises as we get ready to enter into another Sabbath, and just thankful for the Heavenly Father giving me another opportunity Come out with you, brother, as well as other brothers, and share this word. Right, and I may also have uh, another person joining us here relatively soon. I got a uh, surprise guest speaker, so <laughs> y'all stay tuned for that. But um, you know, I was kind of perusing through some, uh, you know, some articles on the internet and things like that. And uh, actually, you know, one of the biggest issues you know that's going on right now, as far as so-called marriage or traditional marriage is concerned, is you know the marriage equality. Between same-sex couples, but uh, this show isn't about that. Okay, this show is dealing with marriage from a, uh, a different perspective, but not necessarily an old one, but the uh, perspective of cohabitating. And uh, based it off an article, uh, it was posted on uh, CNN's website, and it was called uh, titled uh, "Report: More Women Moving In Before Marriage." And uh, the author of that article is Emanuela Grinberg. Excuse me. And I think it posted roughly about uh, April 4th, 2013. You know, because the the tradition, the institution of marriage is as old as time itself, but never has our concept of marriage been as challenged as it is today, with lawmakers and politicians bickering over what defines a quote-unquote traditional marriage. Many people feel the need to express their, their view of what a marriage is to them. Some see it as a sacred institution created by God, with fixed and unbreakable commandments, while others see marriage 
as an ever-evolving partnership between a person and whomever or whatever they choose to love. With so many social stigmas surrounding marriage, it's little wonder that many couples choose to opt out altogether, choosing instead to live together, even raise children together, without officially tying the knot. Those who choose this path of cohabitation have strong beliefs concerning both the pros and cons of their decisions. But what does the Bible say concerning this ever-growing trend? And have we finally seen the end of marriage as defined by God in favor of marriage defined by society? Join us today for another installment of Repentance is the Key as we search the scriptures for answers to this growing dilemma. So, Kadar, I pretty much set the stage as far as what we're going to be dealing with. But um, before we start going into the scriptures, I just want to read a little bit from the the article here. And uh, they were actually focusing on one young lady about, you know, the relationship with her boyfriend, how they met, and, you know, how things evolved. And they are currently married and have a child together. So it starts out, it says, Taylor Spiernick met her boyfriend in 2002 during her third year of college when they were both congressional interns in Washington. A friend set them up, and they laughed for a few hours over cheap burgers and a terrible action movie. <laughs> that sounds uh, pretty uh, traditional, <laughs> a cliche. Let me read on. They kept the relationship going when they returned to their schools in Boston and when they studied law at schools in different states. In 2007, five years later, when they reunited in New York City, they decided it made sense for them to move in together, Spirnick said. They lived in one of the most expensive cities in the country and had law school loans to pay off. They'd be busy as, excuse me, they'd be busy as new law firm associates and knew they'd be spending nights at each other's apartments anyway. Now, this is what the woman's, uh, the young lady's parents said. Spirinick's parents trusted them and thought it was a smart decision. So just looking at this situation based on the article, Kadar, just you know, from what we've read, just you know, from a financial standpoint, you know, she has familiarity with this with this guy. They know each other. They've kept in touch over the over the years. I mean, by this point, they have a, a five year history together. You know, is that a smart decision? Her parents, you know, smart as so, you know, uh, right in suggesting that. And, and I'm, of course, I'm asking these questions as you know, from according to the scriptures as far as how we're supposed to look at it. But, well, what's your input on that? Well, it's very simple. First Corinthians chapter three verse eighteen. It says, um, "Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness." So. To first answer the question directly, was it a wise decision? The answer is no. And the reason why I had to read that scripture first is, yeah, according to this world, they would say, oh, yeah, it's the best thing. Try, You know, the whole thing, try the milk before you buy the cow and all this foolishness that they set up in this world. But a lot of that leads to straight whoremongering, adultery, single mothers, Families split up, um, you know, and I'm joking 
jumping right to the That's really the answer. To answer your question in short, the answer is no, and I'm sure we're going to explain this and explore it more as we go on. But that's the wisdom of this world that would tell you to do that, but that's not anything that the Bible nor Christ would advocate for. Yeah, I mean, because just looking at it, again, from, I, I say, a secular point of view, you know, that scripture you just read in First Corinthians, it says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. Because even just doing some digging around in the Internet, financial reasons were one of the primary things that I saw, you know, that people use as a, uh, you know, basically that's the part of the logic as far as moving in together, cohabitating. And I'm just, you know, <laughs> Wow. But it's, again, in verse 20, it says, and again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, they are vain. Because I, I wanted to go into that a little bit more, and it'll, it'll, uh, we'll kind of flesh it out a little bit more as we go through this show, is that people don't understand that when you look into the scriptures as far as what goes into the, um, what's the best way I want to say it? Basically, the, the, I call it the terms of engagement, if you will or what is lawful according to the Bible as far as having sex. Because what happens a lot of times in these relationships, you have people, you know, this is typical what we're reading here in the article, you know, a guy meets a girl, a girl meets a guy, whatever, they hit it off, they got to go through the whole thing of, of the dating era or the dating uh, period where you're kind of so-called feeling the person out. But when you look in Leviticus, the 20th chapter, and I'm going to get that here in a, in a moment, it goes down the line as far as explaining so-called what's lawful according to the Bible or what's righteous according to the Bible and what's not. And it just goes all the way down as far as going into what fornication is and what adultery is. And uh, I'm going to read one real quick. Let me see here. Like if you go Leviticus, okay, Leviticus 20 and 13, it starts, If a man also lies with mankind, he lies with woman. Both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Verse 14, if a man take a wife and her mother, it is wickedness. They shall be burnt with fire, both he and they, that there be no wickedness among them. Verse 15 goes into bestiality as far as men and women are related. And it goes all the way down the line. But the thing is, is that when you go into the whole thing of, of marriage, okay, and we're going to get into that here in a second, the Bible is very clear as far as a man basically taking a woman and dealing with her according to according to uh, as a wife versus basically dealing with her as a whoremonger or a woman dealing as a whore. But let me move on because I want to get a little bit further into this because these were just some of the you know other things that were presented in the article. She said that we knew we were serious but not ready for marriage. This was the next step for us, the 30-year lawyer said. And this is she quoted, says, we wanted to be able to spend as much time as possible, you know, together. So I want to look into this whole concept of the whole thing of being serious and not ready for marriage and that whole what, what they call the next step for us. You know, is there – I know we've answered this question many times on this on different shows, but is there anything in the scriptures that speaks about – the so-called next step, or how does that relationship evolve? 
you know, as far as dating and boyfriend and girlfriend and things like that? Because a lot of people are not very clear on that. Well, I would start, and I would just say um, that whole statement, and I'm going to read it because that I actually, when I read the article, I wrote that down as a quote. We knew we were serious but not mm-hmm. ready for marriage. And that we knew we were serious but not ready for marriage in this world translates into we like each other and we enjoy having sex, but I'm not sure if I want to make that lifelong commitment to you. And mm. and that goes back to the original what we talked about as far as when we read it in Corinthians as far as that being the wisdom of this world. Because everything that's in this world that's how they teach people to deal. You don't really want to jump into a relationship like that. Live with him for a while. See if you really can cohabitate together in peace. See if you really enjoy each other, you know, or they tell you even going into the sexual thing. See if you're sexually compatible and all these different things that are not the scriptures. So it says in Hebrews 13 and 4, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. So you say, well, why in the world would somebody read a scripture like that pertaining to what this question is where he's asking what's wrong with that? If here's mm-hmm. the reality of and I've lived this life, and then I'm going to actually turn back and I'm going to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Me being in the world when I first was dealing with women and things of that nature, if I get with a woman, we stick together for a little while, I say, you know what, don't really like her, not really feeling her, and I leave out. But the only problem is we've already laid together. So now what am I doing? I'm putting this woman out to go deal with another man, and then I'm going looking for another woman. That's what the scriptures are telling us. A whoremonger is. It's a man that goes from woman to woman to woman sleeping around. It's also called fornication. It's called many different things. But those are things that we should not do. That's not the way for us to deal. Now, I turn around now and ask you a question because I, I know you. I know that you have been dealing with a young lady. How is mm-hmm. that working out? How does that really work? What are the steps? What are y'all going through to deal with with that relationship? Is it like okay. I was dealing, like sleeping around with different women before I knew Christ, or is it something different? How is that different for y'all? Well, it's different, and I don't want to get ahead of myself because I actually want to deal with that in the second part of the show. But just to kind okay. of give our listeners, you know, some some understanding going into that, and I, I got a another guest on the line. Let me go to Second Timothy just to show you what that looks like or what it's supposed to look like. Okay. I and I say supposed to because sadly, you know, a lot a lot of people that we know that proclaim themselves to be Christians are not necessarily dealing in this manner, even though the scriptures are clear on it. Give me a second right here. Hold on. You want First Timothy five, verse yeah. one, I believe. I'll read it for you. It I says, it right "Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, 
and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. There we go. So now what I wanted to focus on was First Timothy chapter five verse two in that part where it says the younger well actually what the elder as elder women as mothers and the younger as sisters with all purity. So in the New Testament, because a lot of people like to say, Oh, y'all reading that old testament. In the New Testament, okay, okay. Under our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, through that wisdom, knowledge and understanding, it says that what? A man's relationship with women that is a woman that is not his wife is he supposed to be the same as on par with his mother or as with his sister with all purity. So that's showing you that they ain't no trying before you buying and sampling the milk and getting the milk for free while you you know, before you buy the cow and all this other stuff. That's all called fornication. So to answer the question, that's what that looks like. Because there that that's I mean it's a lot that kinda of goes into it. This is just really scratching the surface. But you know, that whole thing about dating and, you know, what you know, that's out. That's fornication. Okay, just plain and simple. Um, but I'm going to come back to that. Let me bring on my other guest. Hungry Bar, we got you live on the air. Hey, Shalom. Hey, most high Christ oh, bless. Bro. Most high Christ bless. I'm still making adjustments to my uh, headphones, so bear with me for a second. You need me to mute uh, you for a couple of minutes? No, I'm good. Okay, cool. Yeah, so, um, so come. I don't know how much of that you heard, but uh, basically what we're dealing with uh, at the moment is the whole thing of the so-called next step in people not being ready for marriage, but they're serious. Right. So they resort to shacking up, if you will, and mm-hmm. so-called playing house before taking that next step. And Kadar had asked me the question. Well, Kadar, pose your question again. Well, I just threw back the question that you asked me. How does what does it look like? How is that relationship supposed to be established? What does it look like? So right. I gave you the converse or the opposite of what it's supposed to look like, and how I grew up and how I was dealing. But then knowing you as a brother, and I know that you there's a, a young lady that has your interest. I turn the question back around to you and ask you, well, what does it look like you dealing with that situation so that the people would know what the actual right example is from someone that's actually going through and living it versus how I started off, which was really wicked fornication and that whoremongering spirit. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why I say that that's, that's, it takes a little bit more to go into it because um, one of the things that I really wanted to touch on was some of the concerns that people had and, and reasons that they gave for, you know, basically more or less playing house. Uh, one of the top being financial, you know, financially it, it makes sense, as was the case for the uh, young lady in the article. Uh, a lot of people viewed it as, you know, so-called the step before taking it to the next level. Uh, some people say, you know, we want to do this to see if we're compatible. You know, well, we want to live together because, you know, we don't want to get married because divorce rates are so high. You know, and it's and, you know, if things don't work out, it provides an easier exit strategy because there are no legal things involved as far as, okay, I'm legally married on paper to this person. Now I have to legally get divorced, and that takes money, and we have to divide up our assets, and now we've got to get lawyers involved. So all of these are things that that people look at as far as say, hey, you know what, 
these are some of the reasons why we're living together, okay? These are some of the reasons why we're not getting married because we want to make sure, we want to, you know, see if we're compatible, you know. But one of the things that I really wanted to kind of, you know, go into with uh, with you, Kukong, is that are there things in the scriptures that we can, what's the way, best way to put it? Do the scriptures address these things as far as find, kind of finding out these things beforehand? Or, I mean, is, is shacking up a planned house, like, the only way to do that? Well, I, I'll answer the, the question in this manner because there were some things that's already said and they're rapid to, to, you know, what I wanted to bring out according to the scripture. Okay. Um, you, is it an echo? I hear an echo. Uh, the squad one. Okay. All right. When you look at the scripture, I think uh, the brother already read it, Hebrews, the uh, 13th chapter, verse 4. Um, it reads, um, let me get it real quick. It reads here. Um, you, bro. Marriage is honorable yeah. in all, and the bed under five. For whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. So he asks you a question for a reason, because the way the world looks at marriage is contrary to the way the Most High established it. Without going through a whole like a lot of scriptures, we could just go back to Genesis, where the first recorded marriage, according to the word of God, was memorialized for all to see. And he basically said that, Adam, you take this woman that's bone of your bones and flesh of your flesh. Why is she bone of his bones and flesh of his flesh? Because he said, you leave your father and your mother. She leaves her father and mother. Y'all twain become one flesh. For those of you that care to know, when you read Mark 10, when Christ was confronted by the Pharisees, he repeated the same exact thing. One of the things that was never mentioned was separation or division in marriage. Mm-hmm. The marriage, according to the scripture, is supposed to be the closest unit in the Bible. Well, what has the world done? The world has done, through the what tools of Satan, a very good job on shipwrecking everybody's understanding of what a marriage truly is. They have these shows out, my famous big Greek wedding, the bridezillas, and all this foolishness where people think that a wedding is about pageantry, how much money you're spending, and how 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 many coordinated dances can the uh, groom men and the bridegrooms do. You know, this is what the world has done to the what institution that the most high according to what a, what a marriage is. And this is the problem because people don't understand what marriage is in the scriptures to the point where two people will come in a so-called Christian church, come together in what they're saying is holy matrimony, and let a wicked man take another ritual book, not the Bible, a little black ritual book, and read the order of the service of some concocted demonic ceremony to these people and they claim that it's right in Christ. That's how far perverse people's minds are when it comes to the understanding of marriage. Now, I'm going to go back to this article because it's something that I wanted to just bring out here and it's still dealing with your question and I'm going to get to 
a straight answer on your question, but I wanted to bring this out. When you look at um, something that the article said in one of the paragraphs, it just stuck out, struck, struck me right away. It says here in one of the paragraphs on a CNN article you sent me, it says, as the stigma of living in sin fades and more people delay marriage. So now, let's look at this. Living in sin, a lot of people are doing that whether they know it or not because the only marriage that the most high sanction is a marriage in Christ. And that's mm-hmm. the whole point, First Corinthians, the 7th chapter. But you see how they say, as the stigma, meaning there's something wrong with you living outside the guidelines of the marriage that the Most High says. But then it says, as the stigma of living in sin fades, fades where? In whose minds does it fade? Because when you read Mark 10, what did Christ say? I'm going to read it real quick. Mark 10. Mark 10. I got it. Uh, Mark 10, I'm going to start at verse 4. And they said Moses uh, suffered to write a... This is Mark 10, starting at verse 4. And they said Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart he wrote this precept. But from the beginning of the creation God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh, so then they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. So now, isn't that what the Most High established Mm. from the beginning? Yeah. Christ didn't change that. But you can see here the hardness of the heart. It's the minds of men. Just like this living in sin, stigma, fading, it's fading in the minds of men. But understand this, the Lord is not a man that he should lie. He established the what? Laws, the ordinances, the, the, all the things that go about marriage, and it's not changing. Your mind can change. Christ said he showed him here. Your mind about this understanding of this institution that the Most High set up might change. You might think it's about bridezillas, my big fat Greek wedding, or who can do the most coordinated line dances in the groom party, what father and daughter dance can be the best articulated and put up on YouTube, all these other things that is not, and wedding cakes and white gowns and this and this and that and that and money, money, money. Oh, this one got married. What is that, uh, the, the, the biggest whore in the world, the Kardashian girl? She got married, and in 10 days she was unmarried. But she had a marriage that was worth about $10 million. One of my cousins was at the wedding. And this is the thing. What does that all mean? Does it mean anything? Mm-hmm. The scripture just said, what the Most High put together, let no man put asunder. So was that really a marriage? Mm-hmm. And the high divorce rates that you have, the high divorce rates are based on people not understanding what the Bible says about marriage. They're dealing with wicked men's minds and not seeking out what the Lord said marriage is. This is what the problem is when you deal with the bottom line of what's going wrong with this shacking up. Men are going into their own minds because in your mind you decided that living in sin, the stigma is fading. The Most High in Christ never said that it's okay or that the stigma is dissipating. The Most High in Christ are on one accord. They said, listen, 
A man leaves his father and mother, a woman leaves her father and mother. They become one flesh. They are no more twain. They are one flesh. That is it. End of story. That's what's what's honorable in the sight of the Most High and the bed undefiled. Let me just read one more scripture. Mm -hmm. And I want to deal with it. It's in Psalms real quick. 119. I'll get it real quick. Psalms 119. And I'm going to read verse 142. Just for you people out there to understand something. Psalms 119, verse 142, it says, The righteousness, excuse me, thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. So the Most High made ordinances concerning marriage. Paul told the men and women he was teaching, Remember the ordinances as I delivered them to you? Because Christ gave the same ordinance concerning marriage. We just read it in Mark 10. If you're not doing that, you're dealing with whoredom, you're dealing with rebellion, and you're dealing with the what? Ways of Satan. That's the big reason that people don't understand how to deal with marriage. Now, to your directly to your question, is there a guide? I'm not going to read it, but there is a guide. Um, when you read the book of 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter. That's a mm-hmm. guide. The whole chapter is a guide about marriage. But it's just maybe uh, people don't understand it. So now let me read verse 39 because there's a key part in verse 39. It says, mm-hmm. the wife is bound by the law. As Now why are they talking about the law? They're talking about because the laws are still, what, enforced. But the law through the understanding of Christ. That's what Paul is dealing with because now, was he just, like, having a brain fart and writing this letter about marriage to these people in his church? Or was it because of what? Because they had a legitimate question about it. They had questions about marriages in who? Marriages in Christ. Thank you. That's what the problem is. We're not seeking out the understanding of what this very epistle in chapter 7 is talking about and what it's telling us. Because Christ didn't say shacking up is all right. Christ didn't say, well, the stigma of sin, the stigma of living in sin will fade at some time. Christ didn't say that. The reason people have a problem understanding it because they're doing everything else, including so-called pastors with white collars on, reading a ceremony book and not the Bible, saying they're joining people in holy matrimony, but it's hella matrimony is what it is because it ain't of the Most High in Christ. So it says here, the wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord. Mm. So now, the explanation of that is you need to go read it for yourself and digest it. The explanation of what that only in the Lord is coming out in the whole chapter of First Corinthians, the seventh chapter. That is what is the problem, bro. They're not dealing with marriage according to the Bible. They're dealing with marriage according to the weakness and madness that's going on in their minds, like thinking the stigma of living in sin is fading. That's it, bro. And come, let me let me add just a little bit on that same discussion because I want to make it clear that when we talk about living in sin, that's a world term. Exactly. And when they say you're living sin, that's a world term. And I'm going to read um, something real quick. 
And Abaja touched on a lot of it. This is First John 3 and 4. It says, whosoever committed sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. So in order for someone to be living in sin, as they quote-unquote say, then that means they have to be transgressing the law. And I'm, I'm, the points were brought out perfectly about people in the world that deal in that way. But now even when you're within a church and you have a man and a woman that's dealing in Christ, and they come together with that understanding that, listen, you're in Christ, I'm in Christ, this is our union. People in the world would look at that and say, guess what? Those two are living in sin. Where are your papers? Where are your rings? But that's not what the Bible says. And I just want to be clear about that because a marriage in the Bible is a man and woman in Christ. It doesn't say anything about papers. It doesn't say anything about going before a reverend. It doesn't say anything about rings and million-dollar weddings, $100,000 weddings, hell, $1,000 weddings. It's talking about a man that's dedicated to upholding the law commandments of the Bible in his house, and he's teaching them to his wife, who is also a woman of the Lord that believes in those commandments and will do what her husband says according to those commandments, and those two coming together in Christ, that is a marriage. But the world would look at that and also say, guess what? If they don't have papers, they're living in sin. But that's the world. That has nothing to do with what the Bible is saying. Right. Or where's your ring at? You're not in <laughs> You ain't got no ring on your finger. I mean, this is the concept that because why? The the minds of men are so wholly corrupted to the ways of Satan, they don't even know they're blind. And you're saying, where, where is that in the scriptures? Where is the rings and all that pageantry in the scriptures? Well, you know, it's my, my mama did it. They just go crazy because they have a what? Deficit in the knowledge of the Most High and his program through Christ on what that union is all about. The Bible says it over and over and over again, but the people do opposite and what the hell they want to do over and over again and swear they hitting on something. Go ahead, bro. You, you know what? Uh, our, uh, President Barack Obama has something to say about that, too. Well, before we get carried away, let's read our Bibles now. Folks haven't been reading their Bibles. Yeah, that's right. Folks haven't been reading their Bibles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He needs now, to pay you know, attention to the commandment that says thou shalt not kill with his abortion stance. Go ahead. <laughs> now, y'all got I'm, just I'm, a, a tad bit of, what's that, uh, Kadar? I'm just sorry. It, it, that really just brought up, I know this show is not about gay marriage, and we're not going to turn it into gay marriage. <laughs> no, but no. when you look at living in sin, then it's, and we just read that sin is a transgression of the law, any relationship that's contrary to what the law say is living in sin. Now, that's where you actually living in sin. So if you turn to Leviticus 18, it tells you man and man, woman and woman, family members like incest with brothers marrying sisters or a grandfather marrying the, the granddaughter or uncle and, and nephew together or uncle and niece together, whatever have you, 
All of those relationships are what the scriptures tell you are transgression of the law, and that would be living in sin because there's no way that could be in Christ because it's opposite of what the commandments teach. Now, I actually wanted to play a a clip. This is actually uh, one of the links in the uh, original CNN article. And uh, it's actually on CNN radio, and this is a a historian's point of view, and it was titled that marriage ain't what it used to be. Now, this article was kind of going more so along the whole thing of marriage equality, but it's it's still relevant, you know, as far as the topic, as far as what we're looking at right now. I'm going to play this clip real quick. Traditional marriage once included the idea of the covered legal status of married women. That is, the the husband and wife were one, and the one was the husband. That's called the idea of marital unity. That's Dr. Elizabeth Fleck. She's a historian who studied gender and relationships in the United States. Marital unity. All right, well, that seems to jive with what we think of as marriage today. So this the whole thing of marital unity. So I, I think you guys have already, you know, brothers have already addressed the point. How does marriage look different from, say, you know, traditionally what people would think of under the Old Testament versus under Christ. Now, I know that we're going to go into this. I just want you to kind of address that, but I really want to go into that more so in the second half of the show after the break because after the break I really want to address, you know, the people that are currently living in these situations and how do we make that right according to the Scriptures. But my question is, has marriage really changed I know it could come you to kind of address that, but I want to I want to go back over that point just to make sure our, our listeners are clear on that. Well, can can I jump on that point real quick? Go ahead, bro. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, this is First Corinthians eleven and three. It says, "But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God." So when you ask has marriage really changed? Is that how the households, a lot of the households are established today? Or many of the households, there are no men. Or even the households that do have men, who's running the house? Or that old saying goes, who's wearing the pants? And Mm -hmm. that's where you find the changes happen because that structure where there's a strong man that's in Christ, that's setting the example of keeping the commandments, teaching them unto his wife, and then those two making sure that the commandments are taught in their household, that has been eroded. And it's not something that happened on accident. It was quite strategic. They worked at doing it. Everything that's set up on this earth is to do that. But why did it happen? Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 22. How long wilt thou go about, O thou backsliding daughter, the backsliding daughter that it's referring to is Israel, the Israelites, the children of Israel that were scattered for their punishment. What is a backsliding daughter? Someone that does right in the commandments for a little bit right after they've been punished, and then after they get mercy for doing it and they see, okay, everything's been okay, then they slide right back into the wickedness, right back into breaking the commandments, right back into transgressing the law of the Lord. So it says, how long wilt thou go about, O thou backsliding daughter? For the Lord hath created a new thing in the earth. A woman shall compass a man. 
So in mm. many of these relationships now, the women have compassed the men. And the scriptures talk about if a woman maintains her husband, how she becomes impudent, and how, how that brings in so many different things into the household. But it all starts with the major problem of a man not being the head of his household and making God the head of him. He's following everything else and then bringing it home, and that's why the whole home and family structure is out of order. Back to you, huh. bro. Yeah, because actually, um, let me put some more statistics here, just going. Cause we're, oh, uh, we're hold on. I, let me just comment What's on that? that question real quick before you oh, go okay. to this. Go right ahead. I'm standing you the same thing. about the change. It, it hasn't changed because, you know, a lot of people like to read the scripture in Hebrews 13. Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. Mm-hmm. So when when the Most High um, establishes the ordinances of marriage in the beginning, Christ was. People don't understand that. When he was dealing with the laws of marriage in the wilderness with the children of Israel, that was Christ. He was. First Corinthians, the 10th chapter, verse 1 through 4 brings that out, how they were following the pillar of fire by day and the pillar of fire by night. Uh, excuse me, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And that rock that they were getting the spiritual meat and spiritual drink from was Christ, that they followed. And so all the things that were set up and established was the same thing. But this is something that um, comes out in First Peter. I want to read it. This hasn't changed. It's always been the same. It's just man's mind have changed to follow Satan and not this. It's a, a description of wives and husbands in First Peter 3, but I'm just reading verse 7. It says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. This is the thing that people don't understand. When they hear the husband, the man is over the woman, they think that it's something uh, uh, antiquated about that or, you know, it's just not right and just don't hold up and doesn't set because they don't understand the Bible. The scriptures tell you firsthand, when the Most High looked on Adam, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make him a helpmeet. And the marriage came from that righteous wisdom and forethought on the Most High. So the man as well is made to deal with the woman as the woman was made to deal with the man, and they are fellow heirs together in Christ. Hmm. It ain't no second-class citizenship. It ain't none of that 50-50. It's the way the Most High set it up, and that's how we set it up. That's it. That's what we have to understand, and that's what's lacking. Go ahead, bro. Oh, wow. But just to keep on the same vein, I'm going to read some uh, statistics about this cohabitation because, you know, we read the scripture about earlier about how the wisdom of this world is foolishness, and yet and still, even though we, the understanding of the scriptures is coming out, let's look at some statistics that will say that, oh, well, that's just some antiquated stuff, you know. That, that's old stuff. We don't want to deal with that. You know, that, that doesn't apply in today's, you know, in today's, with today's standards. Check this out. And this is all from the same article. It says uh, between 2006 and 2010, 
48% of women between ages 15 and 44 moved in for the first time with a man to whom they weren't married, according to a report released uh, Thursday by the CDC. <laughs> in, in 2002, it was 43%. In 1995, it was 34 So we see that the so-called cohabitation thing is, is uh, increasing. But I'm going to go a little bit further. It says, basically, that's one in four women living with a man by the age of 20 and almost three in four by the age of 30. Mm-mm-mm. And uh, one of the things that they've uh, pointed out is that the generations that were cohabitating less are now being replaced by a group of women and men that find cohabitation to be quite, quote, unquote, normal. Uh, it says, uh, overall, these unions are lasting longer. They're more stable and to the highest proportion, excuse me, and the highest proportion of them transition into marriage. So this is basically them setting forth their so-called facts and data that cohabitation actually works. But what we're reading out of the scriptures is something quite different. And really what it goes into from, uh, and y'all brothers correct me if I'm wrong, what it goes into is the, the mentality that this man and this woman have as far as, first of all, their allegiance to our Lord and Savior Christ, but also as far as what the Bible describes, dictates what their roles are in relation to the Lord and how they're supposed to view each other. Would I be uh, correct in saying that? you actually correct. I mean, but you have to understand. See, I, I, I come from a, a like a, a, a understanding where, like, experience when coming into the scriptures, things that I didn't understand why they went the way they went, now I understand. And I'll, I'll explain in saying this real quickly. When I was a kid growing up in the 60s, you know, these were all the reforms, the big, great society and all the things that we went through in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. And what we started seeing was the result of that destruction, destroying families. Now, I'm a so-called black man, and I can speak to the so-called black community. When I was a little kid, you knew people's mothers and fathers, Mm -hmm. fathers and mothers, however you want to put it. It didn't matter where you were. When I went to, like, visit people that were a little bit more well-off than I was or when I went into projects, you knew fathers and mothers. And you knew what fathers you could get away with stuff and you knew what fathers you couldn't play with because all of them dealt with you like they would deal with their kids. This is the 60s, right? Mm -hmm. But then it was like, you know what? Why is when these white folks come in a neighborhood, why is I so-and-so, because we would call, you know, people that we revere aunt. They weren't related to us, but we would just say aunt. Why is aunt so-and-so scrambling around hiding her her man's clothes and getting rid of all images of a man in the house? You know, I didn't know, understand that. I knew it used to happen to people around me. You know what that was all about. That was social services coming to the house. And that was what? Part of that destruction we have as a family unit that was being perpetrated by what? The masses of our enemies. And that was us not turning to our Lord to deal right with him, falling and succumbing to that and giving into it. Why? Because now, what image can a man play in the house when he's hiding? What kind of picture does that put in a, in a kid's mind when they see their father hiding? Because if he doesn't hide, they know they're not going to get any something to eat or they're not going to get any money, right? This mm-hmm. is the destruction that our people have suffered according to what? These agencies. Now, what is the legacy of it? 
just open your window in any black community that you're in and look out the window. You'll see it. Baby's kids, little Negro Al-Qaeda growing up in the hood, where we're men, and you know what? It's like, okay, I'm trying to stay in this Christ thing because I don't want to hurt one of these young boys because they have no fear. That's what we see and why, because that whole family structure and mindset of what a man is in the house as a man has been totally destroyed and erased, annihilated from our people's minds. Where they think that Obama bucks or getting social services is a thing to do. You see these male Negroes running around here bragging about how they getting over because they getting welfare and got 99,000 kids and ain't taking care of one of them. And then we want to know why the family structure is destroyed, why we don't understand marriage, why we don't do these things. Because I've seen it in my lifetime go from, what, just madness on top of madness to exceeding high heights of even more madness. Go ahead, bro. So I'm going to jump in on that, too. And the point that you were bringing out was that same scripture that we were reading about how a woman shall compass a man. Because they gave, gave that to her through the social services so that it was like, and, one, and you see the transition to once they were hiding the man to now they say it quite clearly, I don't need no need man. <laughs> I, huh? I don't need you. So I want to go go on with that same question, and I'm going to read a scripture, and then I'll explain my point. Uh, hold on, it's though. That, this, hold on, I, hold on, though. But then when you look at that, and that's the point I wanted to make, when you look at that thing, it goes totally contrary of the Most High's program. Why is the man hiding from his? I mean, hiding so that they can get something. When the Most High said He made a man for a woman as well as He made the woman for the man. What the hell is that? It's real clear and real con- concise according to the scriptures. But what we don't want to serve our God. So we succumb to all the ills that comes from not serving him. Go ahead, bro. So as a result of us not serving him, this is what happened, Second Timothy 3 and 13. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Make no doubt about it that this article that you brought out is a very sinister article. Hmm. Because it's not just meant to say, well, oh, look, huh? I think you were breaking up. Uh, try it again. All right, so did you get the scripture? Yeah. So the whole thing is, make no doubt about it, that this article was very sinister. Because it wasn't just about saying this is the trend. It was about promoting it. And... Let's take a look at something, because the demographer that, uh, from this article that they quoted, the one um, earlier, as the stilling and sin fades and more people delay marriage, researchers living together before marriage can read. I'm going to read it again. It says, It says, as the stigma of living in sin fades and more people delay marriage, 
Researchers mm-hmm. are finding that living together before marriage can be a stabilizing force in relationships. It is often leading to marriage and children, right? This was a quote from Casey Copen. But mm-hmm. later, when you dig into the article, what does it say? 44% of white women married within three years of living together the first time, so about half of them, while 31% of black women and U.S.-born Hispanic women did so, so a third of them. So when you look at that, that 66% failed marriages, and what comes of that? They did with these men, they get pregnant, now you have single-family households, child support, visitation, court, not being able to see your child. You have all of these things going on, but they're promoting this as a healthy alternative. It's not a healthy alternative. It's the wisdom of this world. It's foolishness. That's not how the Most High set up marriage to be, and that's not how it should ever be. It is a wicked doctrine. But what's happening? People are being seduced by this. They're listening to their mothers teaching them that. It's being passed down from generation to generation, and evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse, mm. deceiving and being deceived in that wickedness that they're calling shacking up or living in sin. It's utter foolishness. But you know what? I, one thing, though, you left off, though, that comes with this, that hatred, that intense, fervent hatred between our people, men and women. You know, you know what I mean? You ever look at, like, just look at a YouTube video, and you see the woman standing up just going to fight a dude like he a dude, like the mall cop, like that one chick he taser. She actually, came, that's hatred, fierce hatred. Man to woman, woman to man. The way our men deal with our woman, the way our women deal with our men. And the Bible prophesied it, didn't it? It tells you part of the curses that would be on our people would be what? The once tender and delicate man and woman will have hatred one for another in the children of their womb or their loins. This is the thing that, what, we know we are cursed people, but the remedy has to be understanding the scriptures in Christ. When he said repent, he meant repent from all the sins. Not some, not a few. But the many, many sins that we have, and that's how I, we fall in so much hurt. That's why you got people talking about the stigma of living in sin is fading. So they're going to go into more and more sin. That's why 66% of our men and women don't want to what make that what step and deal at, in a marriage, a proper marriage. Of course, they don't even want to deal with that false thing called marriage. This is the problem that we're facing because it's the bottom line is there's a lack of love of the Most High because if we loved him, Christ said in John fourteen fifteen, if you love me, keep my commandments. What did Christ say the commandment on marriage was? That a man leave his father and his mother, and a woman leaves her father and mother, they cleave together and they become one flesh, period, end of story. So if you truly love the Lord, you're going to guide your relationship according to what? Thus saith the Lord. Go ahead, bro. Back to you. Now, you know what? I'm going to uh, take this opportunity to take a, a brief brief break. And uh, when I come back, because you just hit on some things as far as how do we remedy these things. Because you know, it doesn't necessarily, marriage as we've uh, 
found out in the scriptures doesn't necessarily go into you know big wedding ceremonies and dresses and you know ten thousand dollars for flowers and all that other stuff even and even wedding rings for that matter you know you won't find those things in the scriptures but what I want to focus on when we come back to for the uh, last part of the show is how do we fix these things so y'all hold tight and we'll be right back shortly Body of Christ Church Radio Network broadcasts seven days a week on blogtalkradio.com forward slash the BOCC. Listen to our archive broadcasts or check us out while we are live on the air. Come and visit us in the virtual living room at 2 o'clock p.m. on Sundays where we examine current topics according to the scriptures. Are you looking for the truth? Can you handle the truth? Find out on Mondays at 8 o'clock p.m. It doesn't matter what church you attend or philosophy you believe, take the challenge to see Are You Smarter Than Your Pastor on Tuesdays at 8 o'clock p.m. The world is engrossed in darkness, but it shall be destroyed by the light. Check out From Darkness to Light at 7 o'clock p.m. on Wednesdays where all manner of witchcraft, occult practices, and Satanism is exposed for what it is. Before the light comes, it's time to awake. On Thursdays at 8 o'clock p.m. If you are seeking salvation, listen to Repentance is the Key, Fridays at 7 o'clock p.m. And after you've listened to all of these shows, find out how we will become kings and priests, Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock a.m. All shows are on Eastern Standard Time. Remember to check out The Body of Christ Church seven days a week on blogtalkradio.com forward slash the B-O-C-C. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash T-H-E-B-O-C-C. Shalom. I'm the host of Brother Abaja, and I have on the show with me this evening uh, two brothers, uh, the brother Kakum Gabar, who uh, hosts Are You Smarter Than Your Pastor, which airs, as you heard from the uh, promo, Tuesdays at 8 p.m., and the uh, brother Kadar, who does a lot of uh, background work for the show, as you may have heard on the promo as well. And the topic that we're dealing with here this evening is shacking up and playing house. And in the beginning part of the first of our show, we addressed the whole thing of, you know, is that sin according to the Bible. And, you know, we touched on some things as far as the world's perception of cohabitating and what the Bible says about it. But um, what I want to get into now is, uh, you know, how do we fix that? But before we go into that, I actually have another clip that I want to play. And um, this is actually from uh, the HuffingtonPost.com in the uh, women's section. And this was actually a, a, an interview that was, they had, had four people on there. But the clip I'm going to play was uh, actually a, a brother by the name of Stefan Labossier, and he's an author and a certified relationship expert. And uh, he actually has a website called Stefan Speaks. And uh, I want to play a clip of what he had to say about uh, cohabitation. 
And because uh, the reason I'm playing this is because some of the things that he brought out are going to lead right into our discussion. But what we're going to find out is that, well, I tell you what, I'll play it and not spoil it. Hold tight. Is that uh, there's still the conversation being had with, you know, straight couples anyway, that, you know, sometimes men uh, feel like they get everything they need from the cohabitating and then they don't want to make that further commitment. Is that is that something you find to be true? Um, absolutely. The reality is if he's getting wife benefits without having to make a husband commitment, then why even cross that line? Why even put himself in a deeper obligation when he can get everything he wants already? So he, he gets very comfortable. You know, the reality is a lot of people are together out of convenience. They're not truly into each other. And what we fail to realize is that we need to be looking to see if there's a real true connection that exists. Living together will help unmask a lot of things, but there are things you could have picked up on even before living with that person. You know, because living together, successfully living together also is about respect, consideration, um, being uh, attentive to the other person. These things, again, you can look into before you take that step. But, I, you know, I understand why it's good to possibly live together. I would tell somebody, you know, wait till you're engaged because, again, at least you know that that man is willing to make a bigger commitment to you. But if you live with him before then waiting to see how, how well will this go, can we then go to the next level, well, he might just figure to himself, there's no point in moving on. I already have what I need right here. Why should we get married? It's not important. It's just a title. That's what they'll throw at you. But the, the reality is there's something deeper going on as to why he does not want to take that next step. <laughs> so the scriptures that came out early in the show actually addressed a lot of the uh, points that he brought up as far as, you know, the whole thing of the mindset that we're supposed to have when we get into these types of relationships. And, uh, Kadar, this is actually going back to the question that we asked at the very beginning that you pretty much asked me, going into the whole thing of what type of relationship we're supposed to have with our so-called significant other or the our spouse, so-called. Um, I'm really trying to make sure I don't skip over anything. But just going back to even the article, okay, this is, I think I may have made an error um, from the original CNN article that I read earlier. Uh, Spiranek, this is the young lady that was, uh, Sir Mack, excuse me, this was a young lady that was actually uh, quoted in the article. They're not married yet. So it says that Spiranek and her boyfriend intend to marry one day, but they've been together for so long that it sometimes feels like they're already married, she said. Her parents want them to marry. She said, but being committed and comfortable, they push back against the pressure. And then she's like, hey, what's the rush? And they say that neither of us feel a need to put a ring on it, she said. We know we're solid. We survived the bar exam, assuming our Kia furniture and moving. So I know I'm kind of going into like uh, two different topics, but they're actually related. Does a, ring, does a ring and a ceremony and a legal document make a marriage? I'm going to ask that question directly before I go into um, some of the other things of this segment. And either one of y'all can uh, answer what, answer that question. Well, according to Beyonce and single ladies, it do. <laughs> we know, but this is why I say that. As demonic as she is, people will readily accept that. And the really thing that really trips me out, and it, it, it used to baffle me when I was young in this ministry, 
especially as we started to deal in Christ, how people ire would be raised up against you for simply saying, thus saith the Lord. You know, mm-hmm. when you don't go along with the beat of the drum of the world, you are ostracized. But we understand that because we know the travails of Christ. So will you? the question you ask is absolutely not. Because I brought out a point in 1 Corinthians 7 that talks about what the basis of you even thinking about marriage should be. It should be only in the Lord, meaning the man and the woman coming with the understanding of Christ and growing in that and coming together and making a union. And what? The offspring is going to, I mean, the, the uh, offshoot of that is going to be children raised in Christ. So it's a lot more to the thing as a, than a ring. If you want to buy your spouse a nice ring, that's fine. That's there's no problem with that, but that doesn't have that doesn't make the marriage. White okay. dresses and gowns and wedding cakes and a wedding planner and you know performances and all that that doesn't make a marriage. The marriage is made and founded in the wisdom and the understanding of the Most High through Christ. Man leave father mother, wife woman leave father mother. They cleave together. They become one flesh. They are no more twain. They are one flesh. That's what makes the marriage. Mm. Now, I actually want to speak directly to some of the things that he uh, that he spoke of, going into the mindset of the man that's getting the milk oh. for free and not wanting to purchase the cow, if you will. I want to go to Galatians, the fifth chapter, and I'm going to start at verse 19. Because what we're finding out, that as we read the scriptures and get a better understanding of how it's marriage is defined according to Christ, and I say Christ because the Lord ultimately gave us the example ultimately of what marriage is and what it's supposed to look like. I'm going to get that scripture too. And I want to start in Galatians 5, and I'm going to start at verse 19 because this is what a lot of men and women are dealing with. It says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, stripes, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, see, people don't understand they're dealing with the wisdom of the world, but see, the scriptures already addresses the whole thing about you can see these things on the so-called individual that you find yourself liking or wanting to spend some time with or feel like you want to spend the rest of your life your life with, you can see these things and they'll be manifest when you're dealing with Christ. Hmm. You don't have to shack up and have sex with them and have a so-called accidental pregnancy and taking the morning after pill and going through all that other madness. We don't have to go through all of that. The scriptures tell us right here what people in the world, uh, people that are not dealing with Christ, what they're dealing with. Hmm. Some or most of all of those things in their flesh. Hmm. And when we are not dealing with Christ, guess what? We're dealing with some of those same things, which is why a lot of times we have the best intentions, but we find ourselves in hurtful situations and find ourselves bitter about failed relationships. Because what? Well, I thought I was in the Lord, but she wasn't in the Lord, and she was in the Lord, and he wasn't. I mean, listen, it goes into let patience have a perfect work. But the other thing, too, Let's read Galatians 5. Let's read on the same chapter, but I'm going to read further down. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, because this is going into some of the things that he brought out also as far as the so-called respect, 
consideration, and all these other things. There's a word in the scriptures called charity that goes into those, addressing those specific attributes. And I'm going to read it, Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. But let me read down. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So the thing is, we have to understand the works of the flesh, those things are in us. Because the Lord told us, he said what? From out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, murders, envies, and things of that nature. So those things come easy to us. But we have to understand the fruits. Just like a regular tree, you have to plant it, and it takes years before it can bear fruit. Those same fruits that we cultivate within ourselves take time to grow and to bring out the fruits or the works that we need to have on the level that they need to be on. And that work, especially, I mean, it's hard enough to deal with that within ourselves. But when you talk about dealing with another person, <laughs> that that's where the real work begins. And the truth of the matter is if we don't want to deal with those things within ourselves, then Lord help us when we call ourselves wanting to deal with somebody else that doesn't want to deal with I mean, it, 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 can, it, gets, it gets real bad. So now, just to address the whole thing of you have people that are cohabitating, okay? They're, they're committed to each other. They understand that, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm committed to this woman, but I don't necessarily want to so-called legally marry her because we understand, hey, you know what? That's just a piece of paper. But I'm committed to this woman. I'm not looking for a so-called exit strategy. I'm not just, you know, more or less just staying with her out of convenience or out of obligation because, you know, we have children together because, again, those are some of the things that we find ourselves falling into. Um, so I, I got a question, and I, I kind of want to go to First Corinthians, the seventh chapter. And, and the question is, what about situations where, I mean, how, what is that uh, relationship supposed to look like? I know, come you pretty much went to the root of it as far as you have a man that's basically committed to Christ and you have a woman that's committed to Christ and they both understand that and they're fulfilling their roles according to the scriptures. That's ultimately what the marriage is, is, is looking like. Right. But I want to get a little bit more details about that out of uh, 1 Corinthians the 7th chapter where you may have some some people that are, you know, living together in a so-called committed relationship. And um, let me see. You know what? Let me start at 1 Corinthians 7. And, hmm. Yeah. Say 10? Uh, okay. i tell you what, Kadar. <laughs> I'll read it and you expound. So you let me know when you want me to stop. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10. He says, And unto the married I command, yet not I but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. But, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. Want me to keep Go ahead. Okay, mm-hmm. verse 12. But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman so, having... Okay. 
Well, go ahead and stop there. And if the point that we've been dealing with for the, the entire show, more or less, is the only way that these marriages are going to be repaired is going to be in Christ. And just like you had those situations back then, we have the same situations now. So it may be a brother and a sister that's together, a man and a woman that's together. And now they hear of these commandments. They may hear this show. They may read the Bible and realize that what they're doing is not right. And they wake up and they say, you know what? I need to deal I need to deal right according to Christ. I need to get my life together. It might be the husband that wakes up first. It might be the woman that wakes up first either way. So verse 11 says, verse 12 says, But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. The reason why it says, let him not put her away, like now, all of a sudden, you wake up and you say, you know what? The way we're living is wrong. You're not supposed to turn around right away and say, you know what? You got to go. Because if y'all are in that committed relationship, you're trying to deal with her, then go ahead and start setting the right example. Start living the scriptures. Start showing her how she's supposed to be living and start to change it that way. Verse 12, verse 13. Okay, verse 13. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let him not leave her, excuse me, let her not leave him. So on the same side, is the same thing for the husband, the same thing for a wife. That pleased to dwell with them means even though they don't understand the commandments yet, even though they don't understand fully what they're supposed to be doing, they're beginning to do those things. They're keeping the commandments. They're following what the husband is doing because they love the husband or they love the woman that they're with and they're willing to what? Start keeping the commandments, start doing what the scriptures say, and they're going to get that standing through even that. And it's going to tell you why. Verse 14. Verse 14. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. So now they're both coming into this thing. And the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife because he's looking at her example and how she's changing in Christ. She may have been a woman that used to argue, go, uh, argue with him, cuss him out, be out at the club every single night, getting high, smoking weed, whatever have you. Then she starts learning about Christ, and she puts away the weed. She starts learning about Christ, and she stops the clubbing. She starts learning about Christ, and she stops cussing them out. She starts learning about Christ, and she begins to teach the children the law, statutes, and commandments of the Bible. Whereas she used to be a fighter, she stopped all this fighting. So now the husband that's pleased to dwell with her, not only is he saying hearing the commandments is coming out of the Bible, as she's, saying, as she's learning, but he's looking at the example of his wife and seeing how she's changing, and through that, he's being taught how he has to change. That's how he's going to be what? Sanctified. That's how he's going to be changed and become a man in Christ because that's what it's about. The only repair, the only true repentance for this is if the man and the woman repent of their deeds, and they come into Christ together, and then it can be fixed. That's why it goes on to say 
that um and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband, else were your children unclean, but now are they holy? Because what's going to happen? Now you have a man and a wife, a man and a woman on the same page. The woman is even teaching her husband that as he's getting his act together, he's supposed to be the head of the household and lead the household according to the commandments. So now he's beginning to fulfill his role. She's fulfilling his her role of a helpmeet, as it tells you in Genesis, correcting him, guiding him according to the scriptures, and they're working together to build a household. They're teaching their children, and now where they used to be gremlins, cursing the teachers in the school and doing things of order, the parents are starting to deal with them. They're dealing with them and teaching the children, nope, that's not the way you're supposed to be. This is how you're supposed to be, and this is why, according to the scriptures. So now they've turned from children that could have been the child of Satan or the little evil kids that we hear about all day long, and because they have parents that are teaching them and they're responding to those that instruction, now they repent and they become holy. So that's the way to repair these situations, not through any other means, not through books or self-help or therapy or or sessions with a, uh, with a psychologist, the only way it's going to work is for the man and woman to come into Christ and then they work together to build that household. Wow. C- could I add on to that? Because Yeah, go right in. Our people like to deal with Dr. Phil. How many times have we even seen that? Dr. Phil oh, sitting there oh. with his, you know, American Eagle-looking self, and he's sitting there telling, oh, yeah, you do this. No wisdom. And, you know, I was sitting there listening to that guy that you had from the audio clip. I don't know what mm-hmm. clip it was, where he was talking about the milk of the cow and women doing this and doing that and yang, 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 yang. And it goes back to something. It's a old commercial that used to come on when I was younger. They used to talk about giving to the United Negro College Fund. It says, uh, mine is a terrible thing to waste. Yeah. But a Negro's unrepentant mind is just a terrible thing because that's what you're hearing, and that's what people are listening to. This man is just uttering straight madness about this and this and that and this and that. So what is the remedy? All right, I'm going to read something that old prophet says. Now, when we all we went over in this class is the understanding and the foundation and what marriage is according to what? The father and his son Christ the one we supposed to listen to. Did not the scripture in Matthew 17 and 5 said, This is my son, and who I am well pleased, hear ye him? Didn't this Bible say that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, when Christ was dealing with the Pharisees about marriage, what did he tell them? Manly woman, I mean, manly father, mother. This is ABC simple. Manly father, mother. Womanly father, mother, they cleave together, they become one flesh. What the Most High has put together, let no man put asunder. Is not that the understanding that Christ gave, the one we spoke to here? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what's the problem and what's the remedy? The problem is people have went far away from that understanding. That's why you got jackasses like that black dude on the damn clip talking about milking cows and respect and this and this and that and this and that. Couldn't deal with a precept of the Bible if he tripped over it. And who's listening? Our people are listening. This is the remedy. Isaiah 55, I'm going to read from 6 to 8. 
And it's going to tell you why this is the only remedy. Isaiah 55, verse 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. The wisdom and instruction on what marriage is, we should be getting it from our Lord and Savior, whom people in this world mistakenly say they follow. Because they're doing everything opposite, calling themselves Christian, of what our Lord and Savior said to do, especially in this specific thing called marriage. So the Bible is telling us, seek ye the Lord's understanding, his wisdom, and instruction on what marriage is, how to be married, how to deal with a wife, how to deal with a husband, how both husband and wife deal with children, and that what completes and makes that bond and union perfect. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, call ye upon him while he is near. Verse 7, this is what you have to do when you seek him. Let the wicked forsake his way. Well, I think that uh, living in sin, the stigma behind it is fading. I'm going to milk the cow. I'm going to listen to this guy. I'm going to follow Dr. Phil. I'm going to follow this genius. I'm going to follow this. No. Let the wicked forsake his ways because if it's not thus saith the Lord, it's wickedness. So when you try to figure out what is wrong with your union between man and woman that you're in, you have to go back and see if you're following and seeking the Lord.